Stand by. Hello and welcome to the Lackadaisical Libricubicularist. And now your host, Jordan Maywood. Hello! Welcome to the Libricube. My name is Jordan Maywood, and I am the Lackadaisical Libricubicularist. Today, within the Libricube, is Book Bow Wednesday. Uh, you know what? Uh, it's actually lining up today in that without the Libro Cube, it is also Wednesday. So, every, uh, maybe we're getting back in the swing of things and things are going to line up again. I don't know. No promises in that respect. Something I like to say at the top of every show is that there will be spoilers. This is your one and most likely only spoiler warning. So, warn People, take this seriously. If you do not want this book spoiled, uh, this is your warning. The odds of you reading this book are probably slim, though. <laughs> I'm going to guess. Something else I should say is that if you like what you hear, the only payment I ask is a million dollars. No, that is ridiculous. The only payment I ask is that perhaps you pass the podcast on to a friend. Perhaps you subscribe to it on iTunes, perhaps you even um, comment, rate, and um, love it. Yeah, yeah. Love it. That is your payment, to love it. <coughs> Today's sponsor is Goldberg Brand Kosher Whoopee Cushions. Once again, today's sponsor is Goldberg Brand Kosher Whoopee Cushions. Mm-hmm. Alright, uh, the possibility exists that I can get this done on the way to work, so that is just goddamn well what I'm going to try to do. The book I'm talking about today is, of course, a uh, Doctor Who book. Huh. I uh, got my hands on a whole bunch of these, so they will probably trickle in from time to time. This is the first one I've ever read. My first uh, foray into Doctor Who book form fiction, and uh, I did enjoy it. Why don't because I am not a professional, give you my rating right off the bat. Rating of mm, 3 to 4. Yeah, 3 because I would not read it again, 4 because there was some definite good moments that I very much enjoyed. Totally logical. The Doctor Who book in question is called... Oh, I'm looking at the wrong... Oh, shit. (laughs) I did the wrong sponsor. Oh, well. Uh, the Doctor Who book in question is called Goth Opera. Goth Opera. Or Goth Opera. Uh, let me just pass these guys. Gonna hear some loud engine noises as if I am racing. Uh, I am, sort of. Got it up to uh, about 120 there. 120 clicks. Yeah. <sighs> Alright. So, read the wrong sponsor. That's not good. Oh, well. I'll have to... Re- Jordan, make a mental note to switch your sponsors around for the TV Tuesday episode. <laughs> Goth Opera by Mr. Paul Cornell. This is in, I believe, a series, a quite large series of Doctor Who uh, novels called The Missing Adventures. I think it's like a whole bunch of them. I don't think all by... Uh, Mr. Paul Cornell, I think, uh, by a bunch of different authors, if I do recall. I'm curious if they sort of jump around a bit, 
a bit as far as where in the timeline and which doctor uh, the book is starring the protagonist. This one in particular was with uh, the protagonist was Doctor Number Five. So from the uh, would you call it the classic series, the 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 pre Renaissance of Doctor Who, Doctor Number Nine. Would uh, would you say that? <sighs> okay, so uh, I didn't know too much about this Doctor, so uh, I Wikipedia'd him, and he's sort of a, a dapper. Uh, gentleman, big into uh, cricket, big cricket fan, kind of dresses as a cricketer with a <laughs> one one little uh, thing that came up that was kind of strange is he sort of pins to his lapel a stalk of celery. So that's your, your kind of little doctor twist to his ensemble. I checked also that this particular doctor was on TV in 1981, so the year I was born, hence me not knowing... Uh, or seeing him in action on the television, because probably when I was born in 1981, was not watching a lot of Doctor Who. I don't think I was. Maybe I was, and I just don't remember it, actually. I guess that possibly exists. But unlikely. His companions, because the Doctor has companions most of the time, are um, a woman by the name of Tegan, who is Australian. So I wonder... I guess in the series she was Australian. I wonder how uh, they met. Interesting. These companions are quite often British. Or I think every example I've ever seen was British. I'm uh, pretty sure. And also a woman by the name of Nyssa or Nysa. N-Y-S-S-A. Mm, I'd go Nyssa, I think. Who is an alien. Hmm. But looks like human. Human-looking alien. Okay, so there's your characters. Now, what is this about? I don't know where the opera part comes in, actually. But I do know where the goth part comes in. Because, of course, the Doctor is dealing with vampires. That's right. Somebody got vampires in my Doctor Who, and I did not, I did not mind it. I did not mind it. Uh, I guess you could kind of say that this is Doctor Who and Companions versus a vampire Time Lord and a sort of... Uh, granddaddy of many, many thousands of vampires, sort of a, a uber vampire, if you will. So, um, that team. That thought of having a Time Lord vampire is pretty awesome, yes. Something in this that came up is that the, the Time Lords are, I guess, still in existence, and from time to time we'd pop in and see what they were up to. So that was kind of interesting, because in all the Doctor Who shows I've always seen, there was a Time War in which, sort of, Doctor, the Doctor is the last remaining Time Lord. So in this one, there was quite a few other Time Lords. So that made me think, when Doctor Who first came out, um, a very, very, very long time ago, were the Time Lords still in existence? And then within the series, did something happen to them? Uh, because that seems like a cool idea. Wouldn't mind checking out those episodes in which the time uh, war happened and the doctors were uh, destroyed, or the, the time lords were destroyed. Pretty cool thought. Uh, okay, so basically starts out in Australia. I think it was it in Tasmania. Mm, nah, I don't remember. And the doctors playing a little cricket, as apparently this incarnation does. I'm not going to go in too much to 
Doctor Who, uh, the world, and explain everything, like, what a Doctor Who incarnation means, because uh, I don't have time, and you probably know what I mean if you're listening to a podcast about a guy, with a guy, describing a Doctor Who book, you probably know who Doctor Who is. I feel like I'm saying Doctor Who a lot. Doctor Who, Doctor Who, there you go, two more. Uh, starts off, they're sort of enjoying a little vacay, and then a then we learn that this evil Time Lord is out for revenge and wants to, A, get revenge on the Doctor for, basically it sounded like standing her up uh, many years ago, and B, to, um, <laughs> it's a little convoluted, sort of create a giant race of vampire Time Lord folk to take over the universe. Uh, yeah, okay, that might not be 100% accurate, but for our purposes, it will do. Uh, so, <laughs> I like the way it starts, because the action starts, I should say, is because this uh, Time Lord vampire lady sends a vampire baby to attack the Doctor and turn him into a vampire. What? So, these vampires have the ability to fly, so this baby kind of flies around. <laughs> so that was funny to picture, a flying baby slash vampire that's, like, super strong. It is not, it wasn't able to talk, and it was still kind of a little babyish, and uh, they said it sort of survived more on instinct than anything else. So they sent it to attack the Doctor, who is, as you know, an alien, not human. So they sent it to attack and transform a not-human. However, Nessa also is not human. So, there was a bit of a mix-up from the baby, and he transformed Nessa instead. Oops. This leads us to the point where um, this evil Time Lord lady, or Time Lady, her name is Ruath. Ruath? I would say, like, Ruth, but with an A in the end. R-U-A-T-H. Ruath? Ruth. I don't know. How would you say that? So she awakens from uh, sort of thousand-year slumber, this uh, sort of uber vampire guy who is... He, he's like above Dracula, even. <laughs> like one of the very first vampires in existence. That kind of character. We've seen him before. Uh, I'm sure we'll see him again. He wants to bring about the Age of Undead by sort of mixing Time Lord blood and vampire blood, because we learn Time Lords and vampires share sort of 98% of genetic material, sort of like how humans and chimpanzees are like 99% genetically similar. Uh, you got that going with Time Lords and vampires, so that was a cool thought, which kind of makes sense, because when you think about the doctor's regenerative abilities uh, that makes them virtually immortal versus vampires, which, uh, unless they meet a violent end, are virtually immortal, blah, 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 bling, bling, bling. Uh, Nyssa slowly begins to transform and uh, sort of escapes from the doctor Antigon to become one of us. One of us, join us, join us. So like that pull is there from the other vampires to join them. The vampires and this time lady are working to... One, one, one of their goals is to 
and they do accomplish this for a time anyway, is to create, is to sort of stop the rotation of the Earth so that one side is permanently dark. And they do accomplish this uh, so that it's almost, they're not so much stopping the rotation as freezing time in, uh, in, in a time when it is dark on their side of the Earth. So their plan, I guess, is to use that section of Earth to build this vampire army that will then spread across the universe and control everything, including Gallifrey, which is where the Time Lords live. Interesting. So now it's obviously up to the Doctor and Tegan to rescue Nyssa from these evil folk. Of course, once they get to the castle, there's got to be a castle with vampires involved. The castle in uh, which all these vampires are sort of chilling out, waiting for shit to really go down, uh, where Nyssa has joined them because she has felt their pull, they too are captured. Shit! Come Come to the rescue only to be captured. Typical. Typical. In an effort to trick this Ruath time lady that he is at least contemplating joining their side, he lets uh, her bite him and then turn him into a vampire as well. So there was, uh, there does exist a point in Doctor Who timeline in its canon where he was a vampire. Wow. Kind of blows my mind a little bit. He, of course, was just doing this to sort of trick her into thinking uh, he was on their side. He sort of, um, I don't know how he comes about this knowledge per se, but uh, he realizes that the ring that this Ruath is wearing is sort of a, I guess you could say a control or a key to her TARDIS. Now, I should mention, at this point, we learn that her TARDIS is actually this giant friggin' castle that they are in. Because TARDISes have the ability, uh, as they describe it, sort of chameleon circuit within them that can make them look like other things. For example, the Doctors is obviously uh, set to look like that famous police call box, whereas Ruath set hers to look like a sort of medieval castle. So he speaks to this ring that he sort of knows the password to, because he's the doctor, I don't know, he knows a lot of shit, all right? (laughs) Which then disappears the castle and transports them to a world, uh, a world in which uh, the nighttime lasts for maybe two minutes, and then it's daytime for much, much longer, sort of a really fast-paced day. He gives the vampires a chance to sort of give up, as he does, because he doesn't, he's, he's not out for blood. Ha ha ha, vampires. Um, but they deny it. Hmm. Oh, uh, I did not mention, uh, part of their, part of their plan to, uh, transform the dark half of the earth into vampires was they had this sort of, uh, very, strong vampire genetic material concoction that they then released into the atmosphere, which uh, if if you even got a drop of it on your skin, you would uh, turn into a vampire. So that was their plan. They did this in a time when it was night, but then when, when Ruath's TARDIS moved from Earth to this short day planet, uh, it immediately turned back to day. 
like within, uh, you know, a millisecond. So all the genetic DNA vampire material in the atmosphere burnt up all the vampires who were sort of out and about thinking they were enjoying the permanite. They were all destroyed. They did something that's sometimes done in vampire stories that if you kill the vampire that turned you into a vampire, then you are free of your curse. So uh, the baby burnt up. Kind of sad, a little vampire baby burning up. He burnt up, uh, so she was saved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, So basically at this point, all vampires are either dead or in hiding. The doctor has saved the day, right? Right. They did one little sort of like the movie Alien uh, when the when when the alien sort of hides aboard Ripley's ship as you think she is safe, kind of that. Um, Ruath, we assume, had fled. However, she stole stole aboard uh, the Doctor's TARDIS and then popped out, tried to kill him, get a revenge, yeah, 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 blown out to space and never seen again. Uh, then they all lived happily ever after. We assume. Until their next adventure, which I no doubt will bring back here. Folks, I did it on the drive-in. So, mission mission accomplished. I will end by saying what I always say at the end, which is, it is nice to be nice to the nice. Thank you for listening. This has been another edition of the Lackadaisical Libra Cubicle Wrist. We here in the Liberal Cube would love to hear from you. If for any reason you would like to contact us, you can do so via the email address, mailwood.jordan at gmail.com. And now I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine? The best is yet to come, come the day you're mine Live long and prosper